Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Is the race team broadcast? I got this this week. Pretty excited, man. That's fun stuff. It makes you want to get out there. Anybody want a relief driver? He sees Ryan Newman right there. He knows Ryan's on his door going into turn one. Wave to him. Just love this view so much. I just want my, my producer to stay right here. Where's the helmet cam? Put that up to the left. There, there you go. go. Slide job. I knew you were gonna say it. <laughs> I loved it. I was waiting. Junior, the 18 of Cowboys just came on the radio and said, "Rain in turn one." Of course one. it is. On it's pouring. Shield, of course. It's pouring out. <laughs> Remember the old Harry Hyde story? You know, Harry, do you want us to pitch? Yeah. Do whatever the leader does. They said, well, Harry, we are the leader. Oh, oh, I don't know then. Oh, oh he puts him out of the groove there. Oh, man. Get away from him is all I can tell you. <laughs> you better get him. Can't wait to hear the interviews. <laughs> Welcome to NASCAR America. Chris Devota along with Kyle Petty here in our NBC studio. And joining us from his garage in North Carolina, Jeff Burton. So, Jeff, want to get your take on the NBC race team takeover. Was there anything about it that was harder than you thought it would be or that surprised you? Uh, well, I, I, there's no question that we missed Rick Allen in the biggest way because <laughs> we did not know what we were doing. Um, <laughs> well, 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 you know, I read an article today that said that the, you know, the boost wasn't, didn't do a very good job, good job of reading cards and those kind of things. And I want to say, dude, you missed the point. The fact that we didn't do it well, that's the point. We weren't trying to, we were just trying to be ourselves. We weren't trying to be Rick. <laughs> so thank God, because none of us could be. But it was fun to, uh, to make fun of Rick with the rain delay. <laughs> that perhaps was the highlight of the day. You know, when you send Rick down to pit road and now you have a four-hour weather delay and he's got to do that, that was a lot of fun. Uh, but but it, was, it was a good time. It was a great race. That's the main thing is, you know, we've done eight races counting the Xfinity races, and we have had seven unbelievably good races, and that's, uh, that's as much as anybody can ask for. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching you guys. I was a little hurt, I got to say. I saw the Kings t-shirt on you. I thought you were going to wear vintage stuff, which would have put me in the vintage category, so I thought you'd wear a Kyle Petty t-shirt. I was a little hurt by that, Jeff. I got to be honest about it. Uh, but you guys did a great job. I enjoyed your reads. I enjoyed everybody's reads going to commercials and coming back. Uh, because that's a tougher job uh, than what we believe it is. We, we just get to talk about the racing and talk about that. It's a tougher job. Rick does a great job. Krista does a great job. Uh, yes. Dave Burns, all those guys that are in that position do a great job doing that. So, Kyle, before we go any further, I, I just want you to know that I went looking for a vintage <laughs> Ward Burton shirt. I saw that on one. Twitter. I saw that on Twitter, man. I saw you tweeted that. I looked for a vintage Kyle Petty shirt. <laughs> couldn't find one. And if it makes you feel any better, I couldn't find a shirt of mine either. So <laughs> we, we have been pushed aside for other people. That's listen, where we are in our career. Listen, if you could find a vintage Kyle Petty, it would be a limited edition because they only made like 10 of them. Okay, so uh, it would be very rare. Well, I know, Jeff, I know you guys missed Rick. We missed Kyle, too. Kyle was here in the studio. So at one point, Dale and I are like, we're doing a, what, a four-hour pre-race show uh, with the two of us. But, I had pizza. Yeah, he had food. So, uh, But we're going to get it all in today because the fun continues actually uh, tomorrow. 
tomorrow, too, because on Wednesdays with Dale Jr., uh, Jeff, you guys are once again, Jeff, Steve, and Dale Jr. will be unchaperoned when they are joined at the Big Oak Table by special guest Chase Elliott. That's tomorrow at 5 Eastern here on NBCSN. So today, here's what we have on tap for you. We will get a sneak peek of this week's Dale Jr. download, which includes vintage T-shirts. And you remember whose Dale Jr. was wearing? Well, he's going to tell you about his racing habits. Kyle Busch's scanner was quite active this weekend in Loudoun. We will hear exactly what Kyle had to say in Scan All New Hampshire. And while the big three are making the headlines, the battle for that final playoff spot is just as intense. Find out who Jeff and Kyle think will miss the cut. Here is where the playoff leaderboard sits with six races to go. Kevin Harvick again holds the top seed after his sixth win of the season. That brought him up to 32 playoff points, and he's not letting up. Harvick knows that the more playoff points he can get, the better the chance he'll have to make the championship four in Miami once again. You know, that's, that's really what you're racing for right now, and the win is the, is the way that you get the most. So, you know, to, to get five points, and like you say, it's a 10-point it's a swing, so, you know, we'll be... 32 and I don't know what he has, but you know, it's, it's right there, right there at it. So, you know, it's, um, it, it'll be at some point, it'll be leaned on over the, over the last 10 weeks. You could look at Kyle Larson last year. He had a bad race and an engine failure done, had, had a bunch of playoff points and, you know, considered a favorite to go to Homestead and, and, you know, probably gets to Homestead. He's going to be, he's going to be hard to beat uh, getting up against that fence, but you know, you're going to have trouble and, you know, there's there's two ways out, playoff points or win. So if the hottest topic in the garage is the big three, Kyle, what does that mean for the playoffs? And I know you and Jeff have some numbers you've sort of been working on to figure out kind of where we sit at this point in the season. Yeah, the hottest topic is the big three. But I think the, 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 the other thing, that the topic that we talk about is who's going to fill that fourth place. Uh, but who's going to make the playoffs? Who is going to make the playoffs? What are the playoffs going to look like? How are they going to shape up? Uh, we're still at that stage of the season where we heard Kevin talk about, yeah, you know, we saw what Kyle Larson did last year. Have a bad race, blow up. He's, th- he's talking about himself and, and, and Kyle Busch and, and um, Martin Truex. He's just referring to those three. As far as he's concerned, that's who he's racing. We have to talk about everybody else. Who else is going to jump into that uh, and who's going to be a part of that when we get to the playoffs? season when we get to these last 10 races yeah Chris I had this really good theory that those three guys had spread the wealth amongst themselves and so because <laughs> they were splitting points amongst themselves that they weren't really getting a big enough gap to fifth place but that's not the case at all so <laughs> if you look if you look you know Kevin Harvick Kyle Bush Martin Truex Martin Truex you know obviously has the least but at 26 he still, you know, has 19-point advantage over, over Joey Logano in fifth. And I thought that because they've been splitting those points among themselves, that that would be an advantage to fifth, but it's really not. It's very similar to what they had last year. So that really tells me that not only are those guys doing a great job, and here, here's, la, here's last season, as you can see, you know, Martin Truex to, to Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is 19 points. So it's really not that different. So what that tells me is that, the guys in fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, they're just not get, gaining points. I mean, they're, they're being taken. And um, I believe that these three are by far the favorite to go to the last round, right? But one of these three, and Steve said it last week on the show, and I agree with him, one of these three is probably not going to make it to Miami because, you know, if, if it boils down to points, one of those guys isn't going to make it. And I think that had a lot to do 
with if it goes down to points, you have two new winners. One of those guys won't make it. If you don't, if you don't have, you know, a different winners, then they're all going to, to Miami. But this sport just never seems to work like that. But I think that had a huge amount to do with last week when you saw, you know, when you saw Kevin Harvick get to Kyle Busch and he'll move him out of the way. Couple factors. Number one, it had started to rain a little bit. The intensity level picked up. Number two, not only did he get five playoff points for winning that race, he took five away from Kyle Busch for, for you know, because he would have won. And now he didn't get them, and Harvick did. So that, in my world, that's a 10-point swing from Kyle Busch to Kevin Harvick. So Kevin knows all that. Kyle knows all that. And, and that's what we saw right here. I don't think that this happens. I don't think this Kevin moves him out of the way 10 years ago. I think that he races him hard, but I don't think he moves him out of the way as quickly as he did because these points are so important. Yeah, and, and, and I agree. These, these points are, I, I mean, it, these, these segment racing and these playoff points have totally changed the way these drivers approach the race. I agree. I, I don't believe we would have seen Car Harvick make that move, maybe on the last lap, but not at that point in time, knowing he had to make things happen. I, I look at it, and, and I agreed with Jeff this morning on the call. I thought we, these numbers would be so skewed, we would look at them and say, oh, my God, look at what these three, three are doing. But when you look at it, it's Jeff, and Jeff made the comment there. Nobody else is gaining any points on these guys. Nobody else is making any playoff points. You can't make playoff points against Kevin Harvick or Kyle Busch or Martin Truex. When we go back to Chicago, Kentucky, and New Hampshire, the last three races, mm -hmm. they've won them, and they've run in the top five. There's no room for these guys to make playoff points up on these guys. And and it is it, it boggles my mind to watch this. At this, I, I've been around this sport forever with my dad, with Pearson, with Earnhardt Sr., when Jeff came into the sport, so many years have watched the play or have watched the points, have chased points, have, have seen champions crown. I've never seen a year, and I go on record every time we have this show, is saying I've never seen a point where three guys have separated themselves from the pack like this. And if one wins, the other two know they've got to go win. And that's what we're seeing. Chicago, Kentucky, and New Hampshire pretty much lay it out there. Win, win, win. Take points, take points, take points. And right now they're chasing that elusive regular season championship, which is 15 points. So everything changes again. They just want to lock everybody out. And, and as Jeff said, you can win your way in the, in the homestead, yeah. but you're not going to outpoint these guys, I don't believe. So, Kyle... To me, I remember going into a season with a goal of having an average of 15th. And think about that. Yeah. An average finish of 15th would put you in that top five in points. Now compare that to what happens today. And, and to me, that's in a nutshell, that's how much more difficult it is to be successful today. You, you can't do that anymore. And the way that these points happen – you, you get them by winning, you, consistency matters, but once the playoff starts, what matters the most? It's winning, and winning fixes every problem. So the best teams, we saw Martin Truex Jr. Last, week, last year do it, the best teams have enough speed to make this happen, but they also have the intensity level with the speed to go get that win because that's the attitude you got to have from Daytona to Miami. You cannot, you cannot go into this with this point system and say, okay, we're going to get an average finish of 15th. You have to go into this point system and say, I'm going to win, and on days that I can't finish fifth, I better find a way to finish sixth. 
It's a completely different way of winning a championship, and the intensity level is picked up. Regardless of what people say, they say they're not looking at points. I don't believe them. They're lying because it matters. Points matter. How you run at Daytona matters. You have to win. You have to gain points. It's really it's amazing that how, how it's changed how you have to win a championship. And the points we just showed, they, they show it. They, all those guys behind him, just think about this. What's the race going to be like for the people that have to get to Miami that aren't those big three? Because they all have about the same amount of points. It's like they're almost equal. They're separated by yeah. two or three points. That's going to be crazy to watch. And, and that's something that we've just never seen. So that intensity level is going to happen all the way through Miami. And it started in February at Daytona. And you talk about looking at the math, how the big three have gobbled up points this year. So the big three have 88 of those playoff points. Looking at the chart you just showed from last year, you have to go all the way to six drivers. So it took six drivers to equal the amount of points yes. that three have done it this year. So, yeah, the math certainly favors that. Coming up, teams had to wait out the weather in New Hampshire. What did they have to say once they got on track? We'll relive Sunday's race at the Magic Mile in part one of Scanall next on NASCAR America. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. All right, we're going to New Hampshire, so we're going to have you do some uh, New England accents. Oh, God bless it. It'll be fun. Let's have oh, fun. Yeah. This is awful. I can't, hey, can I get Suarez in here for this? <laughs> okay. Or I can try. Hey, Martin, how's your car? I know he thinks he's wicked smart, but I'm wicked smarter. I know he thinks he's wicked smart, but I'm wicked smarter. I know he's wicked smart, but I'm wicked smarter. I'm wicked smarter. Wicked's a great word we don't use enough, by the way. I still use it. I might be one of the only ones. <laughs> I love it. All right, so it's my best uh, New Hampshire up in New England accent. I'm going to go park the car in the Harvard Yard. I'm going to park the car in the Harvard Yard. I'm going to park the car in Harvard Yard. <laughs> I'm going to park the car in the Harvard Yard. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'm going down to park the car in Harvard Yard. Why does my Boston accent sound Australian, by the way? <laughs> I'm going to pack the car in the Harvard pack. How is that? Is that good? That's good. Yeah. That's it good. sounded like Leo on, uh, what was that movie? Departed. Maybe Leo should play me in my movie. We need Ryan Priest for this. Or Tommy Baldwin. How do you like them apples? I got a number. That driver's garbage. That driver's garbage. I want more Jimmy's on my ice cream. I want more Jimmy's on my ice cream. Do you like my accent? I do like your that's accent. Not, that's not a Mexican accent. Are you accent. from Boston? Okay, I think it has to be said. Kyle thinks it's ironic that a bunch of Southerners are making fun of someone else's accent. Fans finally got to hear an even better sound, the roar of the engines on Sunday after a rain delay of more than three hours. Time to see and hear what happened next in part one of Scan All New Hampshire. It's time to go racing here at the Magic Mile at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Fans are on their feet. We're ready to rock and roll. Kurt Busch has led more laps today than Ford has in the last four races here. All is good. Good changes back to where we started on track bar. Ball was leaking bad in some of those spots. Talking about the water seeping out of the safer barriers. The water out from underneath the walls on the straightaway getting into the corner is not very nice. Yeah, I've seen a couple of rooster tails fly off. That's why I've been staying away from the wall. Contact, contact, I think. All right, let's settle in here. Settle in. Look at that. Oh! More contact. 
part two coming up. But Jeff, let's talk about um, your reactions to what you've seen uh, so far. And I guess the big issue on that segment um, that we just saw was, was the pit road issues for Kurt Busch and, and Ryan Blaney there. Yeah, that, that, was, that was heartbreaking if, if you're a Kurt Busch and a Kurt Busch fan. I mean, that's one of those things that, you know, you hope the crew chiefs are talking to each other and, and the timing of all that is really bad. And it's, you know, later on, Kurt, you know, said, hey, we need to really think about what lap we pit on. That became more complicated because if you waited another lap to pit, then that's about a second and a half of lap time that people that hadn't that have already pitted are gaining on you because they have new tires on. That made that decision more difficult. Um, I don't blame them for being upset. The two crew chiefs, they needed to be talking when they're going to pit because it messed both of them up. And the, the irony of that is that he was in pit stall one. He sat on the pole. <laughs> you never get blocked in pit stall one. That never happens. And it just shows you when it's not your day, it's not your day. I can't fault either driver. They both did what they thought was the safest thing to do. Uh, I wasn't on the pit boxes, so it's just it's, it's one of those things that I'm not going to put a point of finger at anybody, but that was a huge call, uh, and it really hurt his effort to win the race. Yeah, I, I agree. That, when you look at that, and, and I, Jeff said it perfectly, you sit on the pole, you get the best pit, and you still get blocked in. It's not your day when things like that happen. <laughs> but I, what in, I, always is amazing to me listening to, to Scanall when we go to New Hampshire is 
how hard traffic is, how hard these guys fight to get around traffic, and how much they complain to their spotters about traffic all day long. You know it's going to be there. You know it's going to happen. But you can't resist keying up that mic, pointing a finger out the window, screaming at somebody, giving them a hand signal, because the frustration level for traffic is just terrible at that place. We were off camera earlier. Did you give me a hand signal? I did give you a hand signal, okay. but I'm not going to tell you what okay. it was. Um, hey, Jeff, I know we haven't seen it yet because we have more scandal coming up, but really it was a Stuart Haas racing, I guess if you could say, organization in the sense that Eric Almar Kurt Busch had a strong car. We know he led 94 laps. Eric Almarola had such a strong car, and then he ended up, um, as we're going to see later, having an issue in the pits as well. Yeah, pit road was a major factor in this race for Stuart Haas racing, and they've been working hard to fix that. And and uh, the first one with, with Kurt, that was just, you know, that was just bad timing. The second one, this wasn't a horrible stop. It just was when you're comparing yourself to Gibbs and an approved pit stop on the four, it wasn't good enough. And uh, look at it, there were no major mistakes. I mean, you can see right here, the right rear is a little bit slow, but it's not way off. And it was two spots. And you go from leading the race and controlling the restart in the line that you want to be in to now being in third and, you know, not the line you want to be in. And on top of that, then, uh, you know, Eric just did not do a good job on the restart. So uh, he was still in position to have a shot. But you see right here when they take off, I mean, when you enter turn one, Eric's way behind Kevin, just not a good restart. And it shows you how hard it is to win these races. I mean, you go from winning the leading the race with no caution. You might have you have a great shot of winning to no longer in position because a mistake up pit road and a mistake on this restart. And, you know, I, I know it, it's terrible for them. It's easy for me to say. As long as they're learning from these lessons and they're putting a down payment on future wins, it, all, it will all work out. But when you've had shots like they've had in the last few weeks to win races and you don't execute them, you start to wonder, will I get that chance again? And they're going to have to execute uh, pretty soon, sooner rather than later. Yeah, and 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 the the opportunity to win has come week in and week out for for Kyle Busch, for for Martin Truex, and for Kevin Harvick. We've seen Eric over the last couple of weeks step up and have a better run. They've got to capitalize on it because will it be cyclical and we won't see him up front again for a little while. But I, I go back to what uh, a little bit of what we heard in Scandal when Kyle Busch said, "You got to be on top of this thing 100%, lap after lap. It, you can't miss your marks. You can't do it. that." Goes for mistakes also on pit road on restarts to win a cup race we heard Jeff Burton say it to win a cup race everything has to go right you can't make mistakes you make one mistake you might can recover but late in the race these pit stops were late in the race when we saw them you don't recover late and two mistakes pretty much seal your fate okay the point that we've shown you in scan all up to the race now is really from a time standpoint when the race should have ended because green yes. flag was supposed to be a lot earlier than it was and I'd be remiss if I didn't say we talked a lot about the rain fill that everyone did our pit reporters what makes a rain show is all those interviews yes. that our pit reporters do that was a key <laughs> for sure so I need to just mention that but we're gonna up next we are gonna have more of scan all but next we have a sneak peek from the latest edition of the Dale Jr. download as Jr. relives childhood memories with one of the most colorful drivers in NASCAR history. Stay tuned for that. Every week, it's a different adventure on Wednesdays with Dale Jr. This week, Chase Elliott will be at the Big Oak Table with Jr., Jeff, and Steve Letarte. And then the following week, Monster Energy Cup Series champ Martin Truex will be the special guest. 
And speaking of Dale Jr., this Thursday, it's a new episode of the Dale Jr. Download. Here's a sneak peek of what's in store. Jr. talks about Sunday's race team takeover and fond memories of a racing legend. A couple things to wrap up on the booth. The t-shirts were fun. Yeah. All right. I don't want to do that every week uh, as much as I liked it and talked about it being fun. Sport coat and a t-shirt wouldn't be no. the bomb. No. No, 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 no. I spent so much money on ties and sport coats this spring. I was there. Oh my God. <laughs> we are wearing the we are wearing the freaking sports yeah. coats and ties. You don't understand the level of anxiety he takes when yeah. it comes to the suits. I bought like twelve shirts, fifteen ties, about ten sports coats because you know I was afraid that if I wore the same one too many times, that was going to be something everybody picked on. I mean, the t-shirts were fun, but I, I don't know. Your t-shirt was the bomb, though. You ended up going with a Dick Trickle Racing T-shirt that I got from the lady that was on the podcast last week. That was one of the shirts you you left here with. But I got to say, the cool factor, the cool That's factor, awesome. they were wearing new vintage shirts. I know. See, that was the other thing. Too. And you were rocking a real well, vintage shirt. Well, that's what I thought we were going to do. I was hoping that they were had already like Steve didn't have a shirt till Friday, and they had to find him that one. So, I mean, if we're going to do well, this, we've got to get in a little yeah, more Yeah, you've got to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> like Steve and those but guys. What, what, I like know you have one. a million shirts. What went into uh, choosing the trickle one, though? I want to know that. I went, th- yes. So, I went through uh, all the shirts I had, and I wanted one that would get, that people would be like, dang, all right. Yeah. That's what's up. And I think we, you know, everybody misses Dick Trickle. Yeah. Wishes he was still around. The stories he could tell. Um. I knew Dick Trickle pretty well um, when he drove for Kale Yarborough Racing. Kale's crew chief, their crew chief, Doug Williams, his son, me and Scott were great friends, and so I was up in that hauler all the time. And he would walk up in the uh, hauler with his briefcase. He had an old square box briefcase, briefcase, and he'd open it up, and it'd have r- cigarettes and Reese cups in it. <laughs> <laughs> As most people have yeah. when they're carrying a briefcase. <laughs> and uh, when you're a little kid hanging around the sport back then these were rough men and they t- they they didn't they didn't give a damn whose kid you were if you was in the way they was going to tell you get the hell out of the way and go be where you're supposed to be and we were trying to get underneath everybody's feet as much as we could to try to be in the middle of everything happening you know we wanted to be near the cars and the haulers and everywhere right and we were always in the way and dick trickle never once said anything about us being in in the in the lounge, uh, which was his lounge or his hauler, he's always would have he'd sit down and have a conversation with you, mm. and he didn't know me from Adam. Wow, and this is a legend, you know. So that's why I wore it uh, out of the ones I had. I thought that was a good one. Can I just say I know that Dick Trickle did not invent this; wasn't the only one that did it. But there's that video of him smoking a cigarette in the race yeah. car. Oh yeah, that just just screams badass, <laughs> you know. Dick Trickle, who is uh, having a cigarette. You know, he has a cigarette lighter in the car. He just uh, reached for it. Bad habits are very hard to break <laughs> even sure. when you're driving a race car. When Dick was racing, he was the only one that had a lighter in the car. That yeah. was such a funny thing for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, uh, just a sample of what you're going to see yes. on Thursday. But that's really what makes Dale Jr.'s download and just whenever you guys, Jeff, Kyle, when you guys tell stories, that's what it is. It's just kind of remembering the images of, of what you guys grew up with. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah I think. Yeah, go, Jeff, go. Well, I, I was going to say, I think that, you know, I didn't grow up around the sport. I, I came into the sport later, and but, but Kyle and Junior and uh, DJ, you know, those guys, they have these incredible <laughs> stories of, as, as being kids at the racetrack that I think is just really cool. Uh, all mine are later in life, but, but these, you know, he talked about being a kid, crawling around the trailers, and uh, Kyle's talked so much about, you know, being in the van inside the, inside the, the racetrack. Those things are just so cool. Yeah, and listen, Dale's exactly right. That, that was a different breed of guys um, uh, back then, and, and they didn't care. They didn't, they didn't care whether you were Bobby Allison's kid, Davey, or Richard Petty's kid, or Pearson's, or Dale Earnhardt saying, it didn't make any difference. Get out of the way. We're doing something. Trickle's not the only guy that smoked in the car. Pearson had, they would put a piece of gum, tape a piece of gum to the dash for every 100 miles for Pearson, and he had a cigarette lighter, too. And it, it was just common. It was common. The, the thing with Trickle was, is Trickle would show up at 6.30 in the morning, standing in line with a cigarette and a cup of coffee, and you'd see him at 11.30 or 12 that night, and the coffee had been replaced by a beer, but the cigarette was still, still in there. the same place. <laughs> and that's just the way it was. That's the kind of guy he was. He came to our sport late. He had already won 1,500 races on short tracks all across the country. He came to the sport late, uh, but was so well-respected in our sport. It was cool to, to know him and race with him. Yeah, I, I saw him one night uh, before the Daytona 500, and he was in the bar. And I'm like, yeah. like, are you in, like, you're supposed to race the <laughs> but, but that was Trickle, man. He was, uh, he could get after it that night and then race the next day. He was all good. Jeff, should we give you a chance to defend your T-shirt? Or how many T-shirts did Dale Jr. have with him? <laughs> so, I, I, listen, I don't understand, like, when they say we're going to wear a vintage T-shirt, I don't understand the, the definition of, does, is that a new vintage T-shirt or an old vintage T-shirt? Like, I, it's just a T-shirt, right, that has... A picture of someone from the past on it. That's to me what a vintage T-shirt is. So I, I guess I missed that. I feel like Junior may not Kyle, be can done. Can you help me? Yeah. Listen. Listen. Here's what I say, and this is what I'm gonna say. I, I know that Jeff works on those cars over there. That his son runs and all. Mm -hmm. So we're not like Junior, where we can sit on eBay all day long and buy T-shirts. Okay. <laughs> we we have other jobs we have to do, and I'm gonna defend you with that one, Jeff. <laughs> And I feel like Junior may not. You guys probably are talking about this once more tomorrow uh, when you're with Chase Elliott. I feel like the topic is not quite done yet for Dale. More than once. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Up next, it's part two of Scan All New Hampshire, including Eric Almarola's troubles on Pit Road and Kyle Busch's reaction over the scanner when Kevin Harvick bumped his way to victory. That's coming up. The Verizon IndyCar Series is on CNBC. Scott Dixon looks to stay in control of the championship at his most successful track, the Indy 200 at Mid-Ohio, Sunday at 3 Eastern on CNBC. Tony Stewart was and still is relentless behind the wheel. Well, the same can be said for his driver, Kevin Harvick, who won Sunday at New Hampshire. Afterwards, Stewart tweeted this shot of Harvick and crew chief Rodney Childers with the message, in case you were wondering, these guys aren't letting up. Congrats on the win. Kevin Harvick may not have had the dominant car on Sunday, but once he put himself in a position to win, he made the most of it. Here's part two of Scan All New Hampshire. 47 laps to go. Eric Almarola is up front. A lot of muscle out of the Smithfield Ford. You're the best man here. Just go get him, buddy. Three and four. Caution up at three and four behind you. Damn it. Bring it to us. We're going to take a look at it. Something broke on the other side or something. Shock tower, bro. Are we working on it or are we done? 
Now we're done because we were in the caution. Had your windshield water. Uh, just give me a good pit stop. 10-4, you got it. Eric Almirola, four-tire stop. Little bit of a skip by the tire carrier. Oh, we're outside, we're outside, we're outside. Heartbreak on pit road. Eric Almirola loses two spots. Damn it. Ah. Green flag out. Kyle Busch gets out of there in a hurry. He's focusing on the drive-off. He's just trying to rally his center. All out front. He's to go eight more. He tapped Kyle Busch. Oh, he wrinkled the corner panel. He hit him so up. hard. Pushed him up. Those are nudges. That's racing. He just let you know he's there. Don't worry about it. Keep focusing on the drive-off. Eight to go. Do what you got to do to win. Oh! oh he puts him out of the group. Oh, oh, man! Well, he moved him good there. Kevin Harvick to the lead here in New Hampshire. Robin, race the bus. Go get him. Yeah, can't pass him, drive through him, I get it. Get away from him is all I can tell you. <laughs> you better gap him. 10 more, man, go get him. Got five more to do it. You're delusional. I was holding his up in case you weren't watching. No pressure at all, hit your mark, bring it home here. Have a job today. Good job, guys. Kevin Harvick lands the last punch over Kyle Busch. He will win at New Hampshire. Yeah, boys, great job. Hell of a job, man. Great job, guys. The way to fight all weekend. I'm heartbroken for Eric Almirola. Thank you for giving me a good race car. I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't do my part. We didn't do our part on pit road. Thank you for giving me a car that should have won. We'll get there, our day's coming. V8, sorry everybody for completely pissing away a chance to win that one. That's uh, unexcusable to have stuff like that happen under green, so my fault, sorry. Hey man, we live as a team, we die as a team. It wasn't good, and then I got chewed up on the restart. I just had two bad things. Back to back. Oh well. Good news. We had fast lap times today. Thank you. We saw aggressive racing at Chicago today. We see the same thing, sort of more aggression. It's what you want when you come to a race. You want to see these guys do anything it takes to win. To do what I had to do to win. I didn't want to wreck him, but I, I didn't want to waste a bunch of time behind him. So, same thing as Chicago. How you race is how you get raced, so it's fine. So we talked about it a little bit, Jeff, yesterday on yesterday's show. I want to get your take um, on what you saw between Kyle and Kevin. Kevin saying, do what I had to do uh, to get the win. Is that the case? Yeah, 100%. He did what he had to do to win. It was going to be hard to pull the pass off without getting into Kyle. He knew that. Uh, Rain, was, you know, Rain was in the area, and he pushed the issue and, and you know, went on to win the race. And like I said earlier, he got five points and essentially took five away from Kyle. Uh, but at the same time, gave a permission slip for the same to happen to him. And that's, that's what this sport really is, has come to with this point system, uh, aggressive moves, the end of stages, at the end of the race for sure. And I, this won't be the last time we see this this year. I, I think we're going to see this intensify. I think this incredible point battle between the, these three guys, they're going to have to race each other exceptionally hard to get points because everybody acts like that it's just those three against everybody else, but it's not. It's those three against those three. And, and then it's the rest of the field against the rest of the field. So if you go from fourth, fourth on back in points to about 14th, those guys, they have to race each other the same way because, you know, it could be one point that will keep you from transferring from one round to the next, and you can get those in the regular season. So I, this won't be the last time we've seen that we see this. Uh, it's going to, the intensity level is going to pick up. The aggressiveness is going to pick up. Uh, it's not going to go the other way. There's too much on the line. 
Yeah, he's right. We're witnessing this for first and second place, but we're going to see this for 13th and 14th. We're going to see this for 9th and 10th with the rest of that crowd. Um, here's what I find interesting. And, and Jeff and, and Dale and, and Steve started this up there this week. Is this a short track or is this not a short track? How, how do you race it? What are you, and, but I'm going to say this, that what we saw um, Kevin Harvick do was a short track move. When I first started, I, I remember running a bush race one night. Jack Ingram followed him through the pack. He would give a guy three chances. On the third chance, he moved you out of the way. We saw Kevin Harvick give Kyle Busch two shots, and then he moved him out of the way. That's just old-school short track racing. That's old school. But at the same time, Jack Ingram didn't complain. Dale Earnhardt Sr. didn't complain when somebody did it back to them because they knew that was part of the sport. And as Jeff said, that's going to be the reality of what this sport is and we're moving forward until we get into the playoffs and maybe even towards the end of the playoffs. Well, up next, uh, the big three might be dominating the headlines, but like you guys just talked about, the battle for that final playoff spot heating up. Will one of this year's early season favorites end up missing the cut? We will discuss that next. NASCAR America is brought to you by Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for 20,000 miles. In June, NASCAR's Big Three all had their shot at Pocono, but Martin Truex Jr. took home the checkered flag. So what will happen this time? Find out this Sunday at 2.30 Eastern here on NBCSN. As we head to Pocono, the fight for the 16th and final playoff spot continues. Alex Bowman did what he had to do at New Hampshire with an 11th place finish. He pushed his lead over Ricky Stenhouse Jr. to 28 points. Paul Menard is one point back of Stenhouse. So let's go ahead and focus the conversation with these guys right here, Jeff. Kyle and Nate talked a little bit about the bubble drivers on yesterday's show. What do you think and who do you want to start with? Well, I, I think that you have to start with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I think that he's the guy that's found his way into the playoffs uh, with not necessarily the fastest car uh, in, in regard to mile-and-a-halfs, one-mile racetracks uh, because of their success at Daytona and Talladega, but that didn't happen this year. And, uh, and, and the way I see it, you know, Chicago land down 23. Day, even after all that at Daytona, he actually gained points. And then my, down nine, and then after New Hampshire, 28. I, I don't know how they overcome this. I, I think that uh, the trouble is they had their shot at Daytona and, and it didn't go well. And I just don't know how they have enough speed to overcome it. And uh, I think the pressure is not only in front of them in regard to Alex Bowman, uh, although they haven't shown a lot of speed. The one that is starting to run better, and I'm not talking about winning speed, but the back half of the top 10 in the early you know, 11th, 12th, 13th is Paul Menard. Uh, I think Paul Menard's the guy that's going to start putting pressure on Alex Bowman and Ricky Stenhouse Jr., uh, they've started to run better. They've started to gel. That you can see right here, they were 55 back in Daytona, and they're 29 back now. Uh, they had a chance in New Hampshire to gain some of those points. They weren't as good late in the race as they were early. But I cannot – every time I look up, I'm starting to see Paul Menard qualifying better, and I'm starting to see him race better. And if they can get finishes as well as they have been running, they're going to – in my opinion, if they can do that, it's a big if – they can move Bowman out and, 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 and jump Stenhouse, and we'll, we'll see if they can step up to the plate. But I think that they have a real shot to do it. Yeah, and, and listen, it said some, Jeff said something very interesting there. 
the way the 17 is running and the way of Ricky Stenhouse and the way Paul Menard's running. They're, they're at two different places. Um, Ricky is just kind of there right now. And, and I hate to say that about that team because that team's worked really hard to put themselves back in position. Uh, but we see the Menard team, as, as, as Jeff said, gelling and moving forward. They made up 31 points a couple of weeks ago. Now, they've just maintained this week. You can't, they can't waste a race maintaining. You have to continue to move forward. You have to move up. We saw Chase Elliott pick up 19 points this week. We heard him talk about it in post-race. Man, 19 points winning a stage, running up front, that's what it does for you. There, there's other guys in this mix. We look at, at, at um, the 31 of Ryan Newman. Ryan Newman has been on a steady increase, but he's so far back, so far back. Four or five points a week is not going to help you anywhere. Uh, you're just not going to make it back to where you need to be in time with five or six races left. Uh, so I think this is a guy that you almost want to knock off the back, but you can't. Because Ryan Newman can win races. Yeah. And he can leapfrog these guys, which creates a totally different scenario. Um, and, and Daniel Suarez, another guy that's in this mix, uh, called his shot at Chicago, said, we're going to make the playoffs. We're going to be that guy. And you know what? I had all the faith in the world that he could because they had run in the top 12, run in the top 15, only to have something at the end of the day relegate them to, a, to not so good a finish uh, when the day was over with. But they've just not run. Since he said that, they've just not been been in contention. So this is another group uh, that I think has fallen off the back edge of this. I think the difficult thing to, to try to project this is that they all, let's be honest, they are all really probably 12th to 18th place teams. And if, you, if they all do that, how do you gain any points on each other, right? Yeah. So if you're gaining three positions a race, is that going to be enough? Probably not. So who can steal points? in stages and who can avoid bad finishes i think really that's what it's going to boil down to is uh you know if you go somewhere and you, you go Watkins Glen, for example uh you a, a 12th place finish might be a big a big big day uh you got Watkins Glen coming up you got bristol coming up you got darlington coming up you know of the six races three of those races are exceptionally difficult and and who can survive those races without problems? I think that is going to have as big of a role in this as anything, maybe even more than performance. Yeah, I, I, you're right. Who, who can survive those races? And, and here's the thing that I, I think it's, it's hard for, for race fans to grasp, and sometimes it's hard for us to, to articulate. But these guys are just racing each other. It's like Jeff said. You know, they're 12th to 18th place teams. Somebody's got to break out of that. Somebody's got to score some bonus points. Somebody's got to score some playoff points. Uh, finish in that top 10. Move ahead and finish 11th or 12th. They've got to be outside their comfort zone where they've been. But, you know, it, 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 I'm Daniel Suarez. Or let, me, let me just say this. I'm Paul Menard, and I go to the racetrack. I don't care what Kevin Harvick does. I could care less. He's already done his, his business. Kyle Busch has already done. I've got to focus, and I've got to look and say, okay, what's Ricky Stenhouse yeah. doing? Where's Chase Elliott? You know what I mean? Where's Daniel Suarez? Where, where are these other guys that I'm racing? I've got to make sure that I finish in front of them far enough that I gain points or that I'm somewhere close to them that I negate my losses. Yeah, and these teams, you know they're looking. Like someone like a Ricky Stenhouse who yeah. runs really well at Bristol, you know I just circled oh, yeah. that for him. You know they're trying to see where they can kind of gain those stage points each and every week. Coming up, it's time for our bump and run questions. How many more drivers will make their way to victory lane this year, and who will they be? Jeff and Kyle will have the answers next.
Coming up in just a few minutes, the KNN Pro Series East heads to one of New England's most storied racetracks, Thompson Speedway, for the Throwback 100, driving classic paint schemes from the series' rich history. NASCAR stars tomorrow pay tribute to yesteryear. I can't believe I just said yesteryear. Don't miss it at the top of the hour here on NBCSN. And speaking of throwbacks, earlier today at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Bubba Wallace and Richard Petty Motorsports revealed their scheme for the Southern 500 at Darlington. It's based on the Kings' first STP-sponsored car from January 1972, all petty blue with red STP logos. Their day glow red didn't go on until the Daytona 500 the following month. So Look at that aero package on that Roadrunner <laughs> right there. That little spoiler in the front, that little bitty one in the back. So I guess he's going with the classic before the classic. Before the classic, yeah. New okay. vintage, whatever new vintage oh, is. Oh, so yeah. Yes. So there we go again. We worked vintage back into the show. <laughs> Over on NBCSports.com, make sure you check out the latest edition of Bump and Run, a very fitting name after what happened Sunday in New Hampshire. So let's go with some Bump and Run questions. And I'm going to start with you, Kyle. Three drivers guaranteed to make the playoffs by points. How many of the 16 teams will end up making the playoffs by points? That's a complicated question, and I really don't understand what you're saying. But I'm going to say, I'm going to say six races to go. We're only going to see one more winner. Uh, okay. So eight guys are going to make it on points. Um, and, and that's just my belief. I, th I think with the way we've seen the big three run, it's going to be tough because they have upped their game over the last three or four weeks. Jeff? So I think we're going to have two new winners. And the only reason I think two instead of one is I think somebody that hasn't won will win at Watkins Glen. And I think that just the way things work out, we'll have to. I have no reason. I, I would think Kyle Larson could win uh, at any point. So I, I, it's hard for me to, to say he's not going to win. So I think we'll have two new winners. Yeah. So is that your answer for the next question, which is who is your pick for the next driver without a win to score a victory? Are you saying so Larson I'm, or the well, Watkins Glen winner? Well, so I've got, I got, I got two winners. I got two people, right? I got, so I'm going Larson because they, they can find enough speed. And I'm going to go with Brad Kay because oh, yeah. uh, he's a good road racer. Uh, but more than that, they do a great job with strategy. And at some point, they're going to find yeah. themselves in the front of a race uh, and find a way to win it. Yeah, and we know Indy's, Indy's one of those races. Yeah, they're so good, good at fuel mileage, yeah. Brad Kozlowski. So what do you I, think next? I went with Larson. Larson. I went with Larson for my one guy to win because I, I threw Bristol in. I threw Michigan in. There are a couple of places where I felt like Larson could rise to the occasion. Okay, so not including the big three of Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr. Who is one driver, Jeff, you see as on the rise and who is one on the decline with six races? Ooh, I, well, you know, it changes every week. I, this week I'm going to say, you know, that I thought Chase Elliott, you know, he ran so well at, at uh, New Hampshire. Maybe they can get it going, and, and that wasn't just, as he said, wasn't just luck. <laughs> they, can, they can put some more races together. Yeah, I said nobody. And there's three guys, and then there's everybody else. Every, just as he said, Chase raised his head, but then he goes back into the pack. Logano raises his head, then he goes back into the pack. So nobody is on the up or the down. They're all the same. All right, we'll see what happens. Remember, the unchaperoned version of Dale uh, Wednesdale is tomorrow. Be sure and join us 5 p.m. Eastern. Chase, Chase Elliott will be the guest. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.